God knows all that you need, but I'm going to tell you this. Some things you will not receive until you pray for them. Insecure in Christ. I am George. This is my imagination station. I thought that song was only six minutes long, but apparently I was two minutes early standing up here. <laughs> I hope that everyone's having a wonderful night. Could you please bow your heads for a word of prayer? Abba, Papa, I thank you for allowing for everybody to be here tonight. And Father God, I pray that for starters, we're able to cast our anxieties upon the Lord. For Father God, anxieties, fears, Lack of assurance can lead to us doing many crazy things or lead to us not doing things, no matter how reasonable they are. And Father God, I pray that our heart will never stop us from fulfilling what your will for our lives are. Father God, I pray that we won't be led by our hearts, but that we'll control and guard our hearts. Father God, I pray that we won't be emotionless, Father God, but that we'll be in control, that we'll be able to glorify you through what we do. That Christ will be our foundation, our strength, and our guide, Father God. That the Holy Spirit will lead us into all that we do, revealing all truth. I just pray today that you allow for everybody to receive something. I pray that you make me a blessing, Father God. I pray that the word is gentle, but the impact is heavy. Father God, I trust you, and I pray that you fill this place and that your flow will truly be received. We pray this prayer through the precious and the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior, and in the spirit of truth, amen. Beautiful, beautiful. So the title of my sermon today is Insecure in Christ. And a few days back, a friend of mine, he's probably watching the stream right now, asked me a great question. And that was simply, how you feeling, bro? My response was, emotionally, I'm down, but spiritually, I'm at a peak. This month, my greatest challenge and the topic of this sermon has been insecurities. It's been identity related. The most interesting thing about these insecurities, though, is that they came because I put my security in something other than Christ. To put it simply, in August, I'll be able to drive. And I always thought that in August, my social life would really open up. And about a week ago, I had a social opportunity that I took a leap on. And it changed my views even for now. To make it as blunt as possible, I was trying to get a girlfriend. And in the process of trying to get a girlfriend, my priorities shifted. Last Sunday, I was riding back with my dad. I asked him a question that was, what are you most excited for short term? He gave a great and very reasonable answer. And then I said, you know, with a smile on my face from ear to ear, you know, in the world, I'm really looking forward to getting a girlfriend. (laughs) My priorities had shifted heavily, and I was placing my security in something other than Christ, and it led to insecurities in that very area. It led to other areas in my life also kind of unraveling a little bit. Now, Merriam-Webster defines insecure as deficient in assurance, beset by fear and anxiety. Now, this is something that's common in the world. It's even common biblically. We've seen great figures who were called by God that were rather insecure. You had Moses. He was insecure about leading the Pharaoh. The scripture said in Exodus 3, verses 11 to 14. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. 
But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This wasn't the only time Moses even protested his insecurities. Even when he had carried out miracles for God, he was sure that this was a God that could provide for him. He was still insecure. He was insecure about speaking for the Lord, even though he was moving for the Lord. In Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12, it stated, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Now believe it or not, even after that, Moses was still showing insecurities, even in speaking. Even after hearing that very convincing argument from God, he still did not want to speak. And he ended up having somebody else speaking for him. And he was also speaking to that person. It was a whole weird dynamic based off of insecurities. A couple other examples was Gideon. He was insecure even with an angel in front of him and a clear word from the Lord. I'm not going to read the scripture, but it's Judges 6, 11 through 13. Or there was Jeremiah. He thought that he was too young. Jeremiah 1, 5 through 6. So on and so forth. Insecurities in the Bible are ever present, even from individuals that have seen a clear sign from the Lord. And it's all so much more in our lives. There's a question that I want to ask you, and that's simply, what are you placing your security in? Now, when looking at fear and heart issues, if we don't have something objective, something that we can use to overrule emotion, something that we can use as a foundation for our fortitude that Fear becomes irrelevant. We cower. We stagnate. We regress. Because insecurities are something serious. I don't know if y'all have any insecurities, but when faced with them, I don't even know how to articulate it, but you know the feeling. (laughs) There is something good, though. Even in the face of insecurities and in weakness, Christ is made strong in us. Now, as 2 Corinthians 12, verses 5 through 10 states, that experience is worth boasting about. But I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I did want to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I will be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time, he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hmm. It's a beautiful sentiment. You know, I see many times in prosperity gospel, a misrepresentation of what to expect as a Christian. And I've even seen this turn people away from Christianity because it's an outright lie. Now, prosperity gospel is whenever an individual tries to paint Christianity as though every day is going to be sunshine and rainbows. 
Now, everybody here is a Christian, and I remember whenever I mentioned earlier about insecurities, there were some hmms in here. As though there was a level of agreement here. We can all understand that even as a Christian, we still go through some stuff, right? And as a matter of fact, even as a Christian, oftentimes the stuff that we go through in the world increases. Especially if you repping God publicly. You repping God boldly and courageously. Because I'll say this, people may want to argue with objective truth, but we're definitely going to talk back. And we don't necessarily argue louder, we just make better arguments. Continuing on, being a Christian never did promise that. But the beautiful thing is, it does promise that strength and weakness. Just as I had answered the first question that I stated for this sermon, I was feeling down emotionally, but I was at a peak spiritually. When I look back in my life, the times when I was most fervently seeking God were some of the most turmoil-filled times in my life. The number one time was a time filled with the most rigor in my life. The number two time was the most sad I've ever been. It was an unparalleled sadness. And the third time, I think I was just trying to seek the Lord fully. I wasn't even going through any trials or tribulations, but the Lord gave me strength to do it anyway. Point is, two out of three of those times, it was because of tribulation. It was because of my weakness that the Lord became stronger in me. The thing is, we ought to seek the Lord at all times. We don't need to just seek him when we're low or praise him when we're high, but every time in between. Continuing on further, it's not just being strong when you're weak, but also transforming you entirely. Romans 12 verses 1 through 2 state, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Beautiful. So earlier I asked, Where do you find your security? And I ask that because of this verse right here. And when it states specifically, let God transform you, here it is, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. If you find your security in the same way that individuals of the world do, how do you expect God to change you? It says explicitly, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Where do you find your security? It ought be in God, and it's not just me saying that. It's also the scripture. And there's another question that I'd like to tackle in there. Not only where do you find your security, but can it save your soul? Because this isn't just a matter of today or tomorrow or the year or the decade, but eternity. Where do you put your security and can it save your soul? Not in gold, not in status, not in horses or chariots or modern day cars, but find security in God as Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2 state. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. The Lord alone is where one ought put their security. Insecurities are tough, and insecurities may come in passing, but the Lord can renew you, changing the way you think and Sometimes those fears are so deeply rooted that even if you think differently, the emotions don't fade away. But with the change of mindset, there can come a change of fortitude and you can persevere either way. Facing fears. Your emotions never going to let you do that. 
Yeah, people still do it anyway because of a change of mindset that allows for a change of fortitude that they can still take a step forward and fight a fear or insecurity to prevail even in the face of trial or tribulation. I mean, examples could be how Jeremiah still went on to prophesy or how Gideon still went on to lead the armies or how Moses still went on to speak, to lead the people, to confront Pharaoh. There's examples biblically and you can make an example in your life. Continuing on further, pray. As Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7 state, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The thing about this one is, I love the use of language, as you live in Christ Jesus. Earlier I had mentioned to not just praise God when you're high and seek him when you're low, but every time in between. Why? Because it's a present peace. This isn't a peace that you praise him once, that you pray for everything that you need once and thank him for all that you're thankful for once and it never leaves. No, it's as you're in Christ. You got to always do this. And I appreciate all y'all for being here tonight. And I appreciate everybody that comes out on Sundays. But praising God one or two days a week just ain't enough. It's an everyday, all the time kind of thing. And even saying this, seeing as it's a peace that exceeds all understanding, even if I just read that verse alone, it would be enough to explain how to combat insecurities. Continuing on, it's not just to pray, but how do you pray? As Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8 state, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Whenever I was preparing this sermon, and just about every time that I talk about prayer, there's always a question that's continually brought to my mind, and I don't think I've ever actually addressed it in a sermon. And that's, you know, if God knows everything, why do we need to pray? Are we going to change God's mind about these things? Hmm. God knows all that you need, but I'm going to tell you this. Some things you will not receive until you pray for them. Some things you need to be in alignment with God's will before he starts working to bring it to pass. And I'm not necessarily prophesying to anybody right now, but this may resonate. Some things you very literally will have to pray for before God delivers. God knows your needs, but are you seeking him to fulfill them? God knows your wants, but are you seeking him to see if they're in alignment with his will? God knows what you could pray for, but that does not mean he will move before you pray for it. Continuing on forward, Matthew 9 to, I believe, 13, yeah, Matthew 9 to verses 13 went on to say a prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It's an example, and there's two extremes to this. One of the people who only pray the Lord's Prayer and others who never pray it at all because they think they've got it figured out. It's somewhere in the middle where you can look at the Lord's Prayer and use it as a format because, I mean, it is a biblical example of a prayer we ought to pray. It states, pray like this, our Father in heaven, 
May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's the Lord's Prayer. And there's more tips that one could give about prayer. Some examples would be fixed hour slash silent prayer. And there were seven general characteristics that my family used to have in play for a meditation we did together. And those were same time, same place, quiet alarm, no distractions, good posture, lights off, and focus. Another type of prayer is more of a framework. It's called the ACTS prayer method. A stands for adoration, praising God for who he is. Confession is C, humbly acknowledging your sin before God. T is thanksgiving, praising God for what he has done, expressing gratitude for it. And S is supplication, asking God to provide for your needs or the needs of others, according to JustDisciple.com. Continuing on, there's also group prayer, because there's power whenever multiple believers come together in agreement on something. And lastly is the kind of prayer that I do the most frequently. It's called pace prayer. You just literally pace. For me personally, whenever I sat in a quiet, dark room doing nothing but trying to think, I more commonly fell asleep than actually prayed. So I do pace prayer. It makes sure that my body is focused, that I'm continuously moving, and I can connect and fully focus on the Lord. There are many ways to pray, but the point is that you do it. I mean, that you commit to the Lord and you live in Christ always. For that peace is as you live in Christ. It's a continuous thing. I love all of y'all, and God loves y'all especially. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son that who may believe in him may not perish but have everlasting life. Paraphrase. God loves everybody here, everybody out there, from babies to mothers to grandmothers, so on and so forth. I want you to know that you have value in God. If one was to look at it from a scientific perspective, you could potentially say objectively humans don't have value. I mean, the earth existed before we got here. It was even a little bit better. But according to God, all of y'all matter. And sometimes you just need to hear that. Sometimes we're insecure because we just haven't been shown love. Sometimes all an individual needs is a hug. And you'll get a smile from ear to ear. And they won't just be smiling then, but they'll be thinking about it even for weeks to come. A positive word is powerful. Don't just share the gospel, but be kind in your ways. Be gentle. Sometimes an argument can also affect somebody for weeks to come, just the opposite end of the spectrum. This is my sermon, Insecure in Christ. And I'll re-ask the question, what are you placing your security in, and can it save your soul? Thank you. Have a great night, everybody. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Insecure in Christ, by George Bronner. This message is number 4108. That's 4108. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4108 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because brother you need the word. Well, brother, you need the word.